why not use prairie grass for paper and at the same time regenerate that soil? What I've been really um, talking to my students about recently in the past four or five years was simply about uh, the difference between local and global change. And I'm always encouraging my students to think about it from a local perspective. From a renourished standpoint, that that's going through a lot of rewrite and rethinking. And I started to ask myself, like, what are we trying to sustain? We need to give back. We've taken too much. Welcome to another episode of The Design Podcast. Today's guest, Eric Benson. Eric is an associate professor and chair of graphic design at the University of Illinois in the School of Art and Design in the College of Fine and Applied Arts. Eric, a native of Arizona, raised in mid-Michigan, received his BFA in graphic design and industrial design from the University of Michigan. He worked professionally as a UI UX designer at Razorfish and Texas Instruments before he received his MFA in design from the University of Texas. His MFA thesis became internationally recognized and award-winning through his design website, renourish.org. Eric and I talk about Renourish, we talk about his environmental passions, and we talk about fresh press paper and many other areas with design and environmental sustainability. Once again, if you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to go to thedesignedpodcast.com where you can see all of our past episodes. You can find The Designed Podcast on many podcast platforms, so be sure to subscribe, follow along, and please share the episodes and let's encourage others to continue to create success in design education. Let's get on with it then, and here is Eric and I talking about environmental sustainability and design. Eric, welcome to the Design Podcast. I'm so glad that you uh, agreed to join me and have a conversation about your research. Yeah, thank you. It's it's great to be here. Awesome. Hey, I just want you to um, give us kind of a, a, a synopsis, if you will, if you will, of your uh, um, your background. Right. What got you into design education? What are you doing? How was the journey? That kind of thing. Oh, okay. Where are sure. you now? Yeah. Well, um, where am I now? I'll start there. I'm, I'm in uh, Champaign, Illinois, which is home to the University of Illinois, uh, the flagship campus for the state of Illinois. And we're in the Big Ten. Um, I teach graphic design here. Uh, I believe this is my 13th year teaching, which is really hard to believe because I don't think I spent more than two years in any of my jobs going back to right when I graduated from college. So um, I can't believe I've been here for that long, but it's it's a great place. And uh, I do enjoy teaching, um, which is a real surprise to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> because, yes. uh, uh, I mean, I, when I, I went to the University of Michigan and I got my uh, graphic design degree from there. I also got an industrial design um, concentration there too. And, uh, I worked for like eight years. I was doing a, a lot of, uh, stuff in the, uh, mainly I think the, the user interface interaction design world, okay. but, but I did some print. I did some print. Interesting. Cause, uh, as we transition, start talking about some of the research you've done, um, it's, it's a different world in a way. Um, it is <laughs> very much so. Hey, you also told me before we uh, got started here that you have a guest with you today that might uh, make an appearance. Yeah, my cat. It's my daughter's cat, but it's my cat too because I, I pay for its food and, and lodging. <laughs> but but yeah. uh, she will not leave uh, the desk, so awesome. um, hopefully she won't um, interrupt anything. But uh, if she does. Yeah, you know, no she's cute. It's not a worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm actually looking forward for the moment that she uh, that she gets involved in the conversation and even pops on screen, um, yeah. as long as she's appropriate. 
you know? She, she is. is. She's dressed. dressed. She's Everything's ready, ready to go. go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right. So, so yeah. So how did you, how did you make this interesting shift then from this digital environment then hmm. to, and notice the word I chose there, right? To yes. environmental awareness work. Good segue. Um, yeah, that, that's an interesting story. I was, I was working um, in Dallas, Texas. Um, I was actually hired as an interaction designer at um, Texas Instruments, um, which is home to, in Dallas, Texas. And, uh, but I got asked to do a whole bunch of different things. You know, designers wear different hats every day. And I got thrown into packaging design, uh, exhibition design, and I still did print they had me do a number of different things there. And then, you know, I started to have these kind of questions while I was there about, um, I started to hear about recycled paper. This was, you know, this is around 2002, mm-hmm. something like, like that. that. Yeah. And um, I had thought about it before. I had, I had always sort of recycled as a kid and, and, I, and I was definitely aware, but um, I never thought like, oh my gosh, I could design to be, better for the environment. I never thought about that until um, I went to, TI sent me to a conference up in Vancouver. It was an AIGA conference, Power of Design conference in 2003. And I heard a speaker there and and I bought his book and it just changed my life. Pretty much on the flight back, I said, I need to go to graduate school and try to figure out how to be, how to live better and design better in harmony with where we live. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, it was kind of one of those epiphanies that you get sometimes. Uh, and yeah. at least this one was a life changing one as opposed to just kind of a small thing. But, um, yeah, I went to, uh, I, mean, I quit my job like five months later and I was in grad school that August. So How, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, um, uh, you know, that's a 180, and I, I think it's fantastic. And I've had, I guess I would say I've had similar kind of of moments where you're like, mm. wow, that's going to, that's going to change me. But then you kind of lose the the wind out of the sail, you know, and you oh, find yeah. yourself kind of like slowing back down into the normal routine. <laughs> How did you not lose that? That is a great question because I went from having probably the highest paying job. Well, not anymore, but it was at the time <laughs> of my life and I was doing great. I mean, I, I could walk to work. Um, I mean, I had great friends there and, and, you know, I miss those guys, but, you know, going from that into like broke grad school and, you know, having to live off like whatever Whole Foods offered on Saturdays for free um, and art openings for dinner on the weekends, uh, that was a big change for me and for anyone really. And yeah. I really don't know. I don't know how I kept going. I, I pretty resilient person. I, I persevere. Um, I run marathons. So endurance is one of my things. And um, so I guess that's what it was. I just, I, when I set my mind to something, you know, I got to finish it. I got to finish it. So uh, I didn't think though, when I went to grad school that I was going to teach, I, I had no clue what I was doing. I was pretty naive, um, but it kind of, it kind of fell in my lap in my last year. And, and I started to really, really love being around students and, and their energy. And, oh, wow. and it got, it kept, you know what? I think that really kept me going too. Um, and pushing through my work and as demoralizing as it was sometimes. I mean, that, that was, that was, they, they kept me going. And so I said, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should try this teaching thing. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it all played out. It, it, it is kind of a weird moment when you say, well, let me try this. Uh, and mm -hmm. you try it and you're like, wow, where, where'd that come from? Where, where's that been on my life? Yeah. No, I totally agree. And, and, and I, I, I still am pretty introverted and, you know, getting in front of a classroom to me, like thinking about that, maybe as like a younger Eric would have totally terrified me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, I get up in front of the classroom and whatever sort of, I don't know, um, second thoughts that are in my head or, or nervousness leave. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, right after I'm done, I'm nervous again. But, um, <laughs> during that That's period great. of time, it's, I, I'm able to push through it and I actually really, really, uh, enjoy it. That's fantastic. I've, I've got the opposite problem. I'm very extroverted. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was a radio disc jockey personnel. I, yeah, uh, it's I, I could tell by the voice. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pull out my, uh, my, my radio <laughs> call sign moment with you. Uh, I do that for my students every now and then. But um, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't pick on me, but I, it's welcome. You know, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's an interesting transition for you then. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you got into teaching. What, what did right. you start teaching? So, are your classes involved? Um, I'm kind of jumping around here, but I think we'll bring it back to talk about the research a little bit. But I'm kind of wondering then, when you started teaching, was the were the classes associated with the stuff you were loving? No, not at all. Um, uh, I ended up at the University of Illinois. Um, uh, my partner, my wife, she she also is an academic, and it made sense for her too. And when I interviewed here, I I met um, uh, a person who I, I just was like, I need to work with this guy. <laughs> mm. okay. um, his name is John Jennings. Um, he's at Cal Riverside now. But when I got there, you know, it's very, very much a print design curriculum, uh, type focused. And I was <laughs> thrown into teaching typography, which I had never really thought about teaching before. And I wanted to really get into what I was doing with my um, graduate degree and why I went to grad school. And I wanted to um, be part of like uh, a way to excite students about this. But immediately I was thrown into these classes where, I mean, how do you teach that in typography? How do you mm -hmm. teach that in a software class? And uh, that that was tough. And, and eventually I think I kind of came to some sort of... Um, conclusion that, you know, I, I kind of had like this soup and vegetables um, uh, analogy where, you know, um, I wanted a class, which is like the soup, where I could talk about all these things, sustainability, yeah. ethics, um, social impact, but I couldn't get it because it wasn't in the curriculum. So I got to give the students some vegetables as much as I could in some of the other classes. So I found a way to introduce you know, readings and, and uh, smaller projects that kind of got to part of the conversation, but not all of it. Mm -hmm. So it, it was frustrating in the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So where, where did it start out with? So uh, eventually we're going to talk about Fresh Press, uh, but it did, it did it start with Fresh Press? Was that kind of going from the get-go? Not at all. Um, when I went to grad school, I, I just thought, I just need to figure out and find some sort of way to be comfortable with being a designer, knowing all the negative things I can do by just 
designing something that's printed, right? <laughs> and or something that's online, energy, you know, um, greenhouse gases, this type of thing. And mm -hmm. it started actually with Renourish, uh, Renourish.org, which is uh, now a nonprofit, but it was my my thesis at the University of Texas. And I struggled for a long time to figure out what that final output was going to be. And a professor there said, you know, this this needs to be a website. Oh, there's my cat. Hey. <laughs> she made her appearance. Awesome. Um, and, and so it was a website in the end, even though I fought it for a long time, just because it was able to have, you know, anyone could access it from their, from their desk at their office or from a student, from their computer or an educator. Um, so that, that's, that's where it all started was, was with, with that website. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. I, my cat does that exactly to walk across yeah. the keyboard. <laughs> Walked right in front of my face. <laughs> yeah. You wait for that moment where they like step on things and shut things off. I, uh, I was worried about that. Yeah. No worries. Um, <laughs> if, if it happens, we'll get back into the conversation and I'll just kind of seamlessly make it magical and post. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so tell us a little bit more than about what, uh, Renourish is, uh, it, what it is. Yeah. It started in grad school as, you know, I was reading a bunch of things and, and they were online, they were in books, they were in journal articles. And kind of what I discovered was um, there was all this information out there about, you know, for and specific graphic designers um, about how they could do better, basically, mm -hmm. from an environmental perspective. But it was all over the place. There was never like a concise book. It was like a chapter here and there and a few websites with some links. So I started to gather everything and curate it as well as put in my own two cents. And that's what Renourish was, was just this online resource um, where everything was there for you. And, you know, I, I wanted to be very practical. So when someone got came to that site from their design studio or office, they didn't have to ask a bunch of questions. It was just all kind of laid out for them. Hmm. And that's, that's where, you know, my research started was there. And, you know, okay. I kind of learned how to research in grad school. Um, and, and, and that was the output, that thesis, yeah. and then the website. I actually want to try to, I'm going to take myself a note. I actually want to come back to this idea of uh, learning, learning to do research. So there's okay. my note, learning to do <laughs> research. Uh, but I also just listening to you talk, it wasn't a 180 perhaps, you know? Uh, so you were in that digital programming world. You had a, mm -hmm. you still did print. You still had a passion for design. Yeah. But then you had also this, you know, recycling thought in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. But to be able to, to uh, gather all that research data, to tabulate yeah. it, to put it into mm -hmm. a system where it works on the back end, yeah. where it's just magical for me as a user uh, that that took your that took your expertise in that industry for a while so maybe the turn was slower than slower <laughs> than you than you think maybe yeah I, I I think you're probably right um I, I but I did fight the idea of making it online because I was just kind of overdoing that because I had done mm -hmm. it for six years prior and yeah yeah but I mean, my professor was right, and I just had to do it. So, you well, know, I gave in. <laughs> it, it it does make sense, right? Because mm -hmm. you're talking about, um, you know, where to save, uh, all the way around. But I can understand your your confrontation with that because still having a computer turned on, 
having servers, having hosting, it's mm-hmm. all using power somewhere, somehow. Right. Um, so it's a, it's a big conversation about our, our web pages uh, sustainable. Correct. Yeah, you no, know? you're right about that. And I, I do address that in, in the site about finding hosting services that were working with vendors um, who use renewable energy or, mm-hmm. you know, are buying into renewable energy if they don't have it in their, on their own facility, because that's a, that's a huge amount of energy just from these, um, you know, Google uses, I'm sure way more energy than you and us, yeah, <laughs> you and I. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, they're, they're moving towards hundred percent renewable. Oh, wow. Um, as yeah, Apple. I was, I was going to ask you if you had any data on, on some of those, uh, digital yeah. giants. Uh, both, of, I'll just stick with Google and Apple because they have huge cloud servers, and you know they're they're moving towards, if not very close, to 100% renewable. Uh, I'm sure some of it's economical why they're doing it because their energy bills are high, but I think they're also realizing they have a huge imprint, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I did talk about, and it's still on the site. Um, and it, it does have some suggestions about how to do that better, how to mm. work with the right people. Yeah. Um, so even Renewers will work for any user that wants to go there, even to kind of get an idea for their own mm-hmm. digital stuff as well. I hope print, so. Print. That, that's the yeah. goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Does, yeah. It, does it have print then as well? I, I did it go does. there and clicked around, but I didn't have any data to kind of like put in through stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It has a couple like uh, pages about print and ink and um paper and then um you know it has some downloadable things and has some tools that you can use too that help you size projects from the beginning from the press Mm -hmm. sheet kind of working backwards okay um so yeah we we try to cover all the bases hopefully uh (laughs) it's It's doing its job but (laughs) yeah all those uh print production folks listen in and jump over there hey uh what tell me about graphic junk you know i'm I'm looking at some of your selected publications here well, that kind of came from basically why I went to grad school where I was, I mean, one of my jobs before I moved to Texas was I was doing a lot of direct mail. Um, uh. I thought I was doing a great job because I would spend like hours on these things, you know, and I thought they were gorgeous. And uh, I, I think one day I was just at my mailbox and I'm like, Going through junk mail is another, we probably mm-hmm. all call it junk mail as opposed to direct mail. And I was just throwing it right there in the trash. And then I kind of stopped for a minute and I was like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't my piece that was thrown away, but someone else's. And I remember doing this stuff and I got yep. pretty like yep. verklempt for a moment and, and said, I'm just making beautiful trash or graphic junk. And uh, that, that really hit me. I didn't even know what to do. I was kind of depressed for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been there too. I think it happens. Oh, yeah? I think it happens every time, you know? Yeah. It, every time I pop open that trash can, although I'm recycling it, it's still like, I can't, I just can't believe this is, you know, happening. Yeah. Um, I agree. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you ever check the data on the, the out, outcomes of the, I've always wondered, you know, I'm sure there are some companies that do an analysis of their outcomes for that. I know not yeah. enough do because they keep doing it. <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I think like the universally accepted, it might just be North American 
uh, data on that is it's around a 3% um, response rate to direct mail. So 3% of the people who get it actually do something like buy something, yeah. reach out. So it's, it's pretty low. So it's yeah. a 97% failure rate is another way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> that changes the story a lot, it doesn't does, it? It does, right. It does. Yeah. Um, so then you actually started uh, doing some stuff here. It's a few, not too not too much later, a couple years later, mm -hmm. um, sustainable design education. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Explain that just a little bit to me. Sure. Sustainable design education. That that kind of came from, of course, my you know going to grad school and then trying to then take what I did there into teaching, and then coming here to to the University of Illinois and and we we've actually done a one eighty since since <laughs> since I got here, which I think is really refreshing. Yeah. Um, but when I got here, you know, it was it was tough to even to bring that topic up, although they hired me for that reason. Um, so I just had to start like writing about stuff and then talking with people at conferences about it and then attempting it in some way, shape or form in the classroom and, and learning what from other people were doing too. So, uh, that particular article that you're probably referring to or presentation, um, mm -hmm. that was, that was sort of my early thoughts on it, on okay. how to teach sustainable design to graphic designers in particular and, um, it, it was, some of it's still like, I think pretty, pretty accurate, but I've learned a lot since I started and that, sure. that was sort of my first pass at it. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, We're, uh, yeah. I don't know if I should ask the, how that then is reflected in the classroom for you and how that's mm -hmm. been developing. Uh, why, why not? Let's do that now. And then I'll, I'll, we'll get back to some of the other stuff here in a minute. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, when I first started doing it, um, I felt like I was met with a lot of pushback um, from the students. Um, today, in this era, Generation Z students are significantly more aware of our global problems, our local problems even, um, than those 10, 10 years ago. Um, I don't get any pushback these days. In fact, I get students coming to me wanting to, to know more about um, the things that I'm doing and how they can make a difference. And 10 years ago, it was, man, it was, it was uphill battle every day. Um, mm, yeah. with not everybody, but, but a vast majority of the students were, I just want a job, man. You know, <laughs> is this going to get me a job? I'm yeah. like, eh, I mean, it could, I right, don't know. <laughs> right. it, it, it'll add value, right? It'll add value. It'll, it'll add right. value. I wish I would have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so what does that look like then as far as teaching? Well, um, I think nowadays, um, I learned, I think I learned a really big lesson around nine years ago teaching where I was bringing what I would consider my values to the classroom or to the project Mm -hmm. And maybe it was a little bit heavy handed. Um, and I think maybe that's why I got as much pushback as I did. Once I started to sort of ask them, what are your values? What are your goals? And where do you want to be in life five years from now? Mm -hmm. That's when we really could get into a discussion about everything that's going on. And then they started to sort of connect the dots, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
all of a sudden what they wanted to do may not happen because of X, you know, or climate change, you know, in this case. Uh, and then they started to wonder what the, what could they do maybe now yeah. to be prepared for that. And and that, that was the way to go. And I definitely recommend that for teachers in general who are trying to bring topics into the classroom that um, maybe just aren't necessarily, you know, old Swiss modernist typography type questions. Right, so, right. Yeah. Um, I did see a couple of the projects that mm -hmm. Fresh Press is working on. Mm -hmm. um, so did you find a way to bring this then not only into the conversation, but into the project work, into the outcomes? Um, not or, as or much as I wish. Artifact, yeah. Yeah, not as much as I wish. And, and I do now and then when it comes to like, I know that they're going to be doing something on purpose that's printed. And the paper that I make is all from agricultural byproducts like corn stover, rye, prairie grass, um, um, sunflower stalks. Hmm. And basically... Um, when I know it's going to be a print related project, I will, um, bring in fresh press for that. They can make the paper themselves mm -hmm. and, and print on it. Um, sort of the, 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 the sort of unfortunate reason why it's not included as much is that it's actually really, the, the lab itself is really far away from, mm. <laughs> from the design school. Yeah. And yeah, you can take a bus, you can ride a bike. Walking is really hard. Um, and driving, I'm, I'm trying not to have them drive for carbon <laughs> emissions standpoints, but, and that's been kind of a, ba a big downer is just how mm. far it is and how that limits the ability for the students to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure location but, is everything for something like that. And yes. even for the students, sure, they can reach out to a lot of different paper companies that have a sustainable mm -hmm. sheet whether, sure. whether or not it's a 20% versus an 80% or a hundred percent, that's another question, but then trying to get some sample sheets and in a timely fashion and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It becomes a, it, it becomes a daunting task, uh, for them, but I at least try to have that discussion with them to say, yeah. you can get this paper if this is something you really want to, uh, want to put into this. So it's a good uh, lesson. Cause like my paper can be expensive cause it's handmade and, um, then, you know, you need to have a plan B. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that'd be a great conversation. I don't know if we'll get into that, but you know, dollar to dollar comparison of sustainability Correct. Um, versus, you know, just regular pulp paper. Um, I've been to uh, Nina paper. I've been to Mohawk, their plants. Uh, and it's just amazing uh, when you, when you get to those yards of down trees and how much production is happening in those, it was, it was quite shocking. I think it was the uh, web paper mill for yeah. Mohawk up on the, the, uh, the Hudson, up on the Hudson yeah. river. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was I've a, never been there, but I've just heard stories. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was awesome, but it was also like shocking. <laughs> it, yeah. It's like, wow. Wow. How, you know, how much paper, how much wood, how many trees, um, just kind of run through one door and out the other door, you know, it's fast. Uh, it's, it is fast. Yeah. We're not going to try to bring it down around the conversation, <laughs> but that's, yeah. I guess that's where the argument comes in, you know, mm -hmm. of, of cost, you know, it's like, you know, environmental costs versus financial costs. It's a, True. um, it, it changes the thing. Um, I'm going to jump us back now. I love these words. 
mm-hmm. another one of the publications that you have. D zombies. So I'm guessing that's like design <laughs> zombies, right? Correct. And, and the coming of the design apocalypse. Oh yeah. The urgent that. need to increase racial diversity and environmental awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that is, uh, that was a long time coming that I, I think originally I, I did that in like 2011 and it was uh, a short article and a presentation at a AIGA Design Educators Conference. And then I tried to uh, get that published. Um, I wasn't tenured at the time. So I'm like, hey, I got to mm-hmm. <laughs> get, yep. get my work out. And no one wanted to publish it. No one wanted to touch interesting. it. Um, and eventually the AIGA uh, Dialectic Journal did publish it, which I ex- mm-hmm. was very excited for. But that kind of came from the the work that I did with uh, a colleague here at Illinois, uh, John Jennings, who's one of the co-authors on that, um, in the classroom. And we were talking about, uh, we, we created this ethics class when we could not get a class to teach um, anything but typography, right? We, mm-hmm. we said, we're going to make our own ethics class. And uh, we broke it into a module and two modules. So it was like biodiversity and then diversity. So Hmm. we had race and ethnicity and then the environment in that class. And that kind of sparked a whole bunch of other projects, but that um, pretty much was the catalyst for this term to zombies. I'm a big zombie fan. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan (laughs) of like ever having zombies, but but I enjoy watching, you know, zombie films and television shows and reading the books. So we started to combine these two things together and, we thought about this, the whole, basically it goes back to George Romero's version of zombies, which is this mindless consumption. It was his, if you ever watch, go back to watching like Dawn of the Dead and any of those George Romero movies, it, they are commentary on American capitalism is really what they are. And so we were using Romero's version of the zombie to sort of give, um, to be, I think, a little bit uh, controversial mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in our in our own um, criticism of the design discipline and then the educational system yeah. that we're into. Man, I could see uh, this is going to make you laugh, though. But a uh, design documentary, you know, <laughs> instead of like Helvetica and you know, yeah, the linotype and uh, you know, graphic means, we could have you know, de zombie apocalypse. I'd love that it. would be. That would be awesome. I love it. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Uh, so let's touch on the racial uh, diversity aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any research behind that? What have you found out? Um, sure. I talk about that a lot in, in my, one of my upper level design classes um, where we try to talk a little bit about the history of graphic design and uh, how, mm-hmm. you know, the Philip Meggs Bible. I mean, we all right. lived it, loved it, learned it, but it is, you know, very dominant european white it is um designers yeah and that's that's a huge component of what um inspired um the paper the presentation and uh i know i have a lot of data towards the end of that paper but that i can't remember the specifics of but i do know that in general right um students 
uh, you, you just look at the demographic of students probably in your classroom. It depends on how expensive the university is, but the more expensive it is, the, the less diverse ethnicity the classroom is. Definitely. Um, and probably uh, on the same page, the less diverse the ethnicity of the faculty are. And so that's really problematic when you talk about, you know, a sustainable society. And that's what we talk about in the paper as well, is just academia needs to be a lot more of a reflection of what, um, who's living in America, for instance, because mm -hmm. we're here in America. And, and it isn't, right? It's still predominantly white male. And it, the, the type of uh, social and cultural decisions we're teaching our design students are again, European white male, where the culture outside is ebbing and flowing and in many different directions. And that isn't necessarily captured in our projects as much mm -hmm. as it should be. So that's what the paper is referring to. And of course we use the term apocalypse just to, you know, there's yeah. some seriousness seriousness to that, but there's also some like, hey, read this, you know, it's, yeah. it's controversial. Um, so now I'm actually going to ask you about the indigenous rights and climate fiction storytelling. Mm -hmm. Storytelling mm -hmm. is a great conversation in itself, but to link that to indigenous rights mm -hmm. and climate fiction, climate fiction yeah. storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Climate fiction is kind of a subset of science fiction as a as a genre and i'm a little bit all over the place and i kind of always have been ever since i was a kid but the way i've started to pretty much define my research is that i go between these two ideas of utopia and dystopia so i would feel like fresh press and renourish are in this utopian let's try to fix things there's hope but then there's this other side to me and maybe it's just my love for science fiction and and dystopian fiction in general, that I I, would, I still gravitate towards that type of um, work. And so I really enjoy writing, really enjoy writing. And I never used to as a kid, but I, I do now. Mm -hmm. and, and I love using the design process and, and how I write. So taking the example of the Amazon fires happening as we speak, you know, the, the people that are most affected by that are the indigenous people living in the Amazon and in general across the planet, um, land grabs and, and um, mining. These are all happening on lands owned by people that are indigenous to that area. And what rights do they have, right? They, they've, they've won a number of battles in court, specifically in Canada, the First Nations battles there. But um, they're on the forefront of climate change, um, and and they're battling it every day. Where where we may we may not see it, but they see yeah. it. And so, the, I, I'm working on a project which is going to be a collection of short stories in which a number of the characters are indigenous. But um, it's it's pretty much in the early stages, and I'm collaborating with a a graphic novelist who. Um, named Damian Duffy, who um, did Octavia Butler's Kindred Adaption. Uh, if you're a fan of Octavia Butler and, and science fiction, 
a yeah. lot of her work is actually coming true, which is kind of scary, but, right, um, yeah. you know, I've been talking about this for a couple of years and trying to get it off the ground and we're kind of stuck in some creative, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we, creative writing blocks, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone gets there oh, yeah. through one, <laughs> through one channel or another, and then we got to find our way out of it, but oh, it, I'm it's really definitely stuck. possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, hopefully hopefully something kind of sparks for you and, and that gets rolling again. That sounds yeah, like a really you. interesting, uh, uh, endeavor for sure. You know, mm -hmm. thanks. Uh, let's jump over then to, to fresh price. We've been, you know, kind of highlighting it a little bit here and there, but yeah. we haven't really got into the conversation. Sure. So go for it. How yeah. would you uh, introduce that then? So fresh press, it started in 2012 and it started, um, because, I needed to find, well, it started for a couple reasons, but one of them was I needed to find a way to be okay with living in the flat prairies of Illinois. And yeah, I spent four and a half years in the flats of northern Indiana, so... Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, you know I, what I mean then. Yes, yeah, very much so. <laughs> and I would always go to the mountains and wonder, what am I doing in Illinois, you know? So I had to find a way, and um, with Renourish, um I was able to travel the world through that project, giving talks and whatnot. And, and I would always advocate for, you know, not using tree-based papers. They are, uh, they, need, they need to be in the ground climate. We are in a climate emergency. We should not be deforesting any more than we, we should not be deforesting pretty much, period. Um, everyone nodded in agreement. And mm -hmm. eventually they started to ask me after these talks, like, well, where do we find these papers? You're talking about this wheat-based paper. We can't find it. Or when we do find it, it's very expensive. Um, what do you recommend? So eventually I just said, you know what? I'm just going to start making the paper myself. Mm -hmm. um, the downside was I had no idea how to do that. And <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was not a trained paper maker. Um, I could read about it online, of course, but um, luckily for me, there was another um, professor at University of Illinois named Steve Castell, and he was a classically trained hand paper maker in the Western style. And uh, we just started to get together. Um, passing conversations in the hallway led to a serious meeting over beer, and a couple of grants came out of that night. And <laughs> lo and behold, we got it, and uh, we... We started Fresh Press in 2012, so it's been seven years. And uh, the, what we're doing there is we're really trying to find a way to use agricultural byproducts to make uh, better paper than trees can make um, from a carbon footprint, from a strength standpoint. And so we're, we're collaborating with engineers, um, librarians, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and, they're, and they're testing all these things in the lab. So... When it comes down to it, we can say, yeah, this is 66% smaller footprint, which we oh, can say well, from yeah. prairie grass, you know? And mm -hmm. so it, we're really trying to change the paper supply chain from forest to farm okay, and, and get rid of trees as paper. I, uh, I just spoke with um, uh, Megan D. Uh, she's mm -hmm. a AIGA uh, DEC co-chair. Yeah. And yes. um our conversation kind of led to research and the importance of um, your local community, your your local network, and who's there, what's there, that really mm -hmm. kind of starts to shape a lot of your 
not you specifically, but us as educators starts to shape, um, shape your research. And uh, that's something that I think that I was aware of, but never really kind of stopped and thought about that yeah. long enough to go, okay, that's a really important thing to remember. <laughs> but now it's it's so true for you too. You know, I think it if is. you wanted to do something a little bit different, the the opportunities wouldn't be there for you. So it was running into your colleague, mm -hmm. um, the location, you know, for the uh, for the uh, vegetation that you're sourcing, uh, and so on. Yeah, yeah. When you we. We'd go to living in Champaign. We go to Chicago a lot because it's uh, the bigger city close by. And uh, when you drive up I fifty seven north, in the middle median you see prairie grass. On the left you see soy. On the right you see corn. And so, <laughs> those are the three things we started with. It was just right there in front of us. So that's okay. that's where we all began. So are are you using byproducts of the agriculture then, rather mm -hmm. than taking the agriculture itself? Correct. Yeah. So there is a study done, I think, in 2009 by the USDA about um, it was made for biofuels, you know, so, you know, ethanol and all that. And what they determined is about 30 uh, percent of the uh, yield, the, the waste of the yield, whether it be the stalks or whatever, for instance, in this case, it was corn, is not needed to go back into the soil for soil nutrition. You know, because you got to till that back in to, you know, help regenerate that soil for next planting. But thirty percent of it you don't need. So we've been working with a couple of farmers locally, and and you know when they're done with the harvest, we uh, text them and say, hey, got any corn, <laughs> corn stalks, and yeah. and uh, they bale it up for us, and and we go pick it up. So uh, that's kind of how it's working. Uh, I think ideally the farmers would sell it. Yeah. You know, they'd sell it to the big paper mills. Well, that was that was kind of my my next question, you know, is that mm -hmm. is that um a cost to fresh press or is it because of the link to the research in the university that they're more than willing to to work with you? Yeah, it's the latter. They're they're more than willing yeah. to work with us, but we tell them like if this works out, the idea is like you could sell for extra revenue um to to a paper mill. Right, that's the yeah. idea, and and it's starting to catch on. And the state of Washington is building uh, a wheat straw paper mill up there called Columbia Pulp, mm, and okay. uh, it's getting close to being done. But that's what they're going to do. They're going to be taking uh, excess wheat straw from uh, probably both Canada and the U.S. Uh, to make to make paper. So okay. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, you know, in a way, there's. Uh, there's some side benefits to that. It keeps our uh, trucking industry rolling as well. And uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's struggling, but th there's a lot of benefits to that. Uh, you know, as long as you can weigh out those financial costs of transporting that material. But. Well, farmers right now, because of Chinese tariffs, I mean, they, they're really hurting. And if they had other ways to sell what they grow or what they don't even need at the end of growing, I mean that would be big for them, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, it's, it's sad to see the state of affairs that they're in right now. And we didn't really predict that, but I mean, it, Hey, you in, introduce what we're doing. I mean, that, that can save some farms. So yeah. that'd what, be amazing. What, what do they do with that waste? Otherwise, do they just burn that or? Some of them do, right. There's yeah. a, there's a loophole in the clean air act where they can burn it. And, um, which, which others, goes against you know, the carbon footprint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, if they, if they could sell it, I mean, I'm sure they would, you know? Yeah. So All right, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Push back. 
the pushback. It sound, this sounds great, right? This is like, wow, this is amazing. Tell me about some of the pushback, some of the negative attributes sure. that you experience. The biggest is, is that I'm a graphic designer. <laughs> and here I am, I, I've gone to like different, different things where I'm in rooms with farmers and rooms with engineers and business people. And they're just like, you're a graphic designer. What, what do you know about, you know, cover crops or tilling or mm -hmm. um, the price of soybeans in the Chicago trade market? You know, what do you know about this stuff? Why should we believe you? Mm -hmm. You know, I, oh, I'm a professor, you know, I'm got some brains, you know, but I get a lot of pushback just by my job title, mm -hmm. just by walking in there. And so that's been real right. tough, you, actually. You, you get the, uh, you think you know it all. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, why, why should I trust an artist on this? You yeah. know, this type of thing. That, um, that's going to lead me to a great segue then. Because uh, okay. I wrote down here, uh, learning to research. Mm -hmm. Did that play a huge role here? I'm guessing yes. It did, for sure. Um, you know, the, it, it did play a big role. And, um, you know, that's, that's why I got engineers involved, you know, because I don't know how to do that stuff, but they do. And, and they've been really helpful with giving me data. And so mm -hmm. when those questions come back at me, I spew out the data, you know, and uh, tell them why it's better mm -hmm. and uh, that we've tested it. It's gone through this and that. And, and so that helps a little bit, but it, it still hasn't gotten to where I want it to be yet. Yeah. Obviously, uh, more people would have heard about it if it did. So. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I, I, think it, I think it'll keep growing momentum in that. Uh, any other struggles? Um, I'm, I'm well, thinking yes. of one that I might ask you, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, th this isn't necessarily pushback, but it's a struggle is that, um, all of us as educators probably have this struggle and that's, I'm in the classroom teaching. Um, I'm also the, the program chair of graphic design mm -hmm. with I think 11 faculty and 200 and some students, 10 grad students. And, and then I'm supposed to be running a nonprofit called Renourish out in Boston. And then I got this paper lab. And so time is a huge struggle. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm a dad to a 10-year-old and I'm running her yeah. all over the place. And it's, it's, it's hard to get in there and really focus on it. And I feel like if I had more time to focus on it, you know, it, it, it would be doing more yeah. than what yeah. it is. It, it is always tough to juggle those prior, those uh, priorities yeah. and job roles and stuff. That does kind of lead me to another thing I was going to ask about in the struggle is um, business, right? Mm -hmm. Having to be a business person oh, as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's tough. Uh, so I, I'm not a great business person. Uh, I'm, I think I'm just too, too nice and I ended up giving stuff away and uh, <laughs> yeah, come on in, you know, have, have one. And so, I, you know, I've been looking at, um, the one direction I've been looking at was, you know, I'm going to get the data and prove these people that this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. But then the other side of it is like, what if they just had it and they could just see for themselves, right? So I've been looking for business ventures to, you know, get these wholesaled in different uh, paper supply stores mm -hmm. and, and boutique stores. And I've had a, at least two or three contact me about it, but then you know, it is through the university, so the, the university lawyers have to write the, yeah. the all the stuff, and and then it scares people away. I think so. Um, yeah, been there. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know what I mean? It's a bunch yeah. of red tape yeah. and, and, and they get kind of skeptical about signing them. But, um, you know, I've been looking for the business side of it too, just to keep it going. And yeah. I used to employ eight students at, um, a living wage, um, through some grant money that I had. And I'm like, I need to find a way to, to actually turn this into more of a business so that I can keep these people employed and just keep it going and keep it active. And it's hustling all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's been seven years of doing that. And then I'm a little bit tired, but <laughs> I'm, I'm still fighting it. You know, I'm still fighting for it. That, that's great. Hang in there. Hang in yeah, there, I'm man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, well, maybe we'll get some outreach of uh, some other faculty from other universities that have similar goals. Um, oh, yeah. Ma- that'd be maybe fantastic. there's opportunity, you know, who, who knows? Fellowships, residencies, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, if you're uh, listening to this, please send send those over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so one of the other things I had written down here mm-hmm. was this idea of, um, uh, I, I, I guess I'll end the research thing. Uh, I think it's more important now, like when, when we were in undergrad, yeah. research was important, but they really didn't focus on that. Right. I think that's one of the biggest changes now. I think our Huge. students in undergrad, you need to know how to research because you 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 have to be able to do it do it right, know what you're talking exactly. about, so on and so forth. Um, but you mentioned a few times here about you know the global uh, climate, um, local communities, sustainability. Mm-hmm. Is there? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe I'll just kind of leave that there, global and local, and yeah. kind of kind of what you think of the two in relation to some of the work you're doing. Sure. Yeah. Um, what I've been really um, talking to my students about recently in the past four or five years was simply about uh, the difference between local and global change, right? And I'm always encouraging my students to think about it from a local perspective. And that's how I'm working with Fresh Press in particular. I'm using in local farmers, everything within 10 mile radius, you know. Um, and that's mainly because the students are asking me more and more, which I think is really fantastic about what can they do? We, mm-hmm. we want to do good in our lives and we don't want to just be status quo. And so I tell them like, you're going to probably be better at making local change than global change because you're going to be there and you're on the ground in Champaign-Urbana or Chicago, mm-hmm. wherever they end up going. And, um, and and they get to know the people and they're part of the community and the community accepts it and the list goes on. But then also they're going to be there when the change happens, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. And then they get inspired and they want to do it again. You know? Right, but, right. I, yeah. I, I'm predicting, uh, I've said this a few times, so I guess I'm going permanently on record now. Okay. I, am, I am predicting we are going to shift um, from a global economy to a more locally driven economy, I you know I think that's what's going to support the global economy. Um, there's just more and more people, like I said, concerned about how do I help my community because nobody yeah. else is, you know. So sure. how how can how can we do it for ourselves in those local economies? I think in particular, energy is going to be all local. You know, mm-hmm. decentralized. You producing your own energy on your house underground geothermal or something right Mm -hmm. i think for sure that's that's definitely going to happen and i think it's it's maybe a signifier for other sort of trends to happen in the same way maybe your Mm -hmm. prediction 
in particular, but I'd like to yeah. see that happen. I'd like to right. see that happen. Yeah, yeah, I would as well. Um, so we talked a little bit about that local global economy. Mm-hmm. It, have have you noticed anything in how it changes the society from that local to global, maybe even regional? You know, I guess we sure. could throw that in there. Well, yeah, just from like um, my own personal things that I've done, and then with the classes that I've taught, we worked with uh, an urban garden here in town that does some amazing work with um, hiring at-risk. They use the term at-risk kids, which I don't know if I like that term, but whatever. Sure, sure. Um, They hire students uh, basically in high school who are headed down the wrong path and they give them a way to get get back towards a better future. And not only that, they may, they grow amazing food, right? So uh, I guess the way that I could possibly address that uh, question you asked is simply that um, I'm friends with the person now that, that runs that garden, right? And she's friends with the people in the community where the garden is. And the parents or the parent of the kid who works there and it become it, you kind of shrink that community even closer, or you bring him closer. Like now, I can go probably meet those people, you know, based on how my students and 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 how I was a part of helping that nonprofit at Garden. Right. And I remember students that worked on that; they still talk about that that project because it it really affected them because. They saw something real happen. It wasn't just like, hey, that, that was a nice poster and it went out in town and you saw it in town. Yeah. You know, this was people's lives changed. You know, they, we were, we were designing, we were asked to design resumes for these high school kids and stuff. Um, so that, hey, they, they had something, they didn't know how to do this and they had something some of them weren't going to go to college, you know, so yeah. they, they got something and they could get a, something uh, from a job standpoint after yeah. high school. So like that, that's a big deal. And uh, seeing that, seeing that change local, you know, that, I think that really impacted, it definitely impacted me and, and those students as well. That's awesome. I, that That's a great story, which I, I'm wonderful at segues, by the way, maybe <laughs> that's part of one of your stories somehow. You know, maybe there's a story there. Thank you. I, I need some inspiration. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely, yeah. you know, I, uh, write what you know. That's that's the thing. And and yeah. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your advice, see what happens with that. All right. All right. Um, I don't need any credit lines or thank you pages. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Dedication page, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's coming up then? You know, you are talking about these these stories, but what else is kind of, how long have you been chair? Uh, too long. No, uh, five years. <laughs> it, it, it does. It does take a toll. I, I know it does. Um, yes. so you've been doing that for a while. Fresh press mm-hmm. has been around for how many years? Seven, seven years and renourishes. Oh God. It's over 10 now, right? 13, 13, 13 years. years. Jeez. Um, it's a teenager. So, yeah. What's, <laughs> what's coming next then? Uh, what's okay. What's, what's like a year? What's five years? What's your big goal? Maybe. This is a great question because I am struggling with this answer right now in Same. my I personal life. Yeah, yeah, that's good to hear. It's good to hear <laughs> that I'm not I'm not alone here. Um, yeah. 
you know, I think a lot of my not knowing the definitive answer to your question has to do with just the times that we're in and how I'm in a little, and I know I'm not alone in this, but it's sort of a struggle to see what the world's doing and why it's doing what it's doing. And there's mm-hmm. always some positive, but there's seemingly a lot more negative. Um, but, you know, just from a renourish standpoint, cause that's, that's my teenage project. <laughs> um, that that's going through a lot of rewrite and rethinking. Um, and it has to do with the term sustainability, which came up earlier in this talk. And I started to ask myself, like, what are we trying to sustain? Mm-hmm. And that website sort of saying what we are, what we were doing right now, we're going to sustain by making these differences in how we design. And if we sustain what we're doing right now, we're in some deep trouble. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I think I actually read that in some of your, in some of your writing. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually it was, uh, it was that short video on, uh, fresh oh, yeah. press and renourish. That was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, put yeah, a, I'll no. be sure to put a link, uh, to that also. So he, is Thanks. there a link, is there a link to that? There's a Vimeo link I can send okay. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's where I watched it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to drop a bunch of stuff in the link so people can find stuff. All right. Continue. Continue. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's where I started to come up with, um, not come up, but really kind of rethink Yeah. just that term and what that site is really doing and, and how much of a change it's really making. I think in general, I just want to do more to make mm-hmm. a difference and I, I'm not doing enough and not everyone's doing enough collectively or individually. And this is a this is an emergency you know this is mm-hmm. a 10 year window we have to really prevent a 2 degree centigrade rise in global temperature and we can't sit back and just hope someone else does something we actually have to be very active in our roles and lives politically and and career wise so mm-hmm. part of me is like i need to readdress what that sustainability really means and so yeah. for me we need to give back. Yeah. We've taken too much. Yeah. You know, it, th- that just kind of hit me because uh, I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York, hmm. and now I'm living in central Arkansas. I'm not even in Little Rock. I'm about 30 minutes away from Little Rock to the, <laughs> to the north. Beautiful, natural community. You know, it's not called the natural state just because they felt like it. It's probably the most beautiful um, surroundings I think I've experienced. And I've been all over. I've been, you know, uh, Oregon, Seattle, uh, New York. I've been up to Vermont, Boston, you know, mm-hmm. all the way down to Georgia, Denver, you know, so I, I travel. I haven't been to Arizona yet. So that's, that's on my list. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, so it, it hits home to me because when I think back, when I go visit my parents, I'm like, boy, it's really bad here. Like mm-hmm. the, the Buffalo steel plant, for those that have ever heard of it, it's basically this rotting carcass of land that they just can't do anything with because it's just not environmentally sound. Oh, that's um, and it's right on, right on the Lake Erie shoreline, you know? Uh, wow. but then I sit here in this beautiful wooded, hilly Ozark mountain range and just go, wow, we, we have such a beautiful country, but it's not like that everywhere, you know? True. So, so it's really, I think we all need to kind of recall that and kind of look and analyze it where we're at and, you know, we can make a difference no matter where we're at. So. No, I agree with you. And it's, it's a gift to live there and, and where you are. And it's, we're, we have this great gift and where we live. And, 
we're we're kind of taking taking it for granted, mm-hmm. and I feel like that idea of renourishing what we took away is is really the only path forward. So I'm I'm trying to figure yeah. out how to do that. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think yeah. Fresh Press has a part to play in that because a lot of the prairie grass that we use that's grown nearby. I mean that that's an amazing regenerative plant for soils mm-hmm. and soil can, I mean, our soil can absorb a lot of carbon and, and that that's something yeah. we should think about. And Hey, graphic designers use paper, bringing it back to yeah. graphic design <laughs> or design. Yeah. And why not use prairie grass for paper and at the same time, regenerate that soil. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a great message to kind of leave everyone uh, considering and thinking about uh, and we've got almost an hour of conversation here under our belts, and that's absolutely fantastic. Um, so I, I think we'll, we'll, like I say to all my guests, I would love to come back and talk about this more as things develop, if that opportunity arises. Thank you. Um, so so let's, let's keep in touch, keep letting everyone know, keep involved with the uh, AIGA uh, and with the design educators community, you know, and keep, uh, keep feeding us what you're doing. I think that'll be fantastic. Uh, where can people find out more so we definitely know freshpress.studio mm-hmm. uh where, where else can they kind of see what you're doing and find out about you and the other projects sure uh yeah that's one great way to do it another website my renourish website is re-nourish.org um that you can learn about uh, what i do there and uh I, i'm on instagram for fresh press paper and uh i'm i'm on twitter for at Renourish. And uh, yeah, I think those are the best places to go. Excellent. All right, everybody, reach out to uh, reach out to Eric and uh, give him some support and appreciation for all his hard work. And uh, until the next time we talk, Eric, I really appreciate our conversation. So did I. Thanks for having me. Awesome. You bet. All right, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode. The Designed Podcast website is located at thedesignedpodcast.com. There you can find notes on the episode, links to our guests, links to resources, and more regarding the many things discussed during each show. If you find The Designed Podcast interesting and informative, please subscribe on Apple Podcast or on your favorite podcast service. You can also follow The Designed Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our video version of the podcast on YouTube. Please join us for the next episode of the Design Podcast, and let's continue to create success in design education.